Hey, welcome everybody to podcast number 51 presented by 5pin Universe. I'm your host, Kerry Kreitz. We're uh, short a few of the regular hosts here, but we have Tim Wiseman and we have Tyler Ticket back to the podcast for a second time. And first time mentions, Matt Eisenhower from Vernon, BC. Um, Matt's been a part of the WCBT since its inauguration and uh, does work for some associations in the BC, if I'm not wrong there. Um, so our first topic will be Tyler's $10,000 win. Um, the first 10K win since the KG Open out west here, or I do believe Uxbridge might have been last the 10K win out east. Um, pretty cool to see a prize that high, um, seeing bowling coming back. How does it feel a couple weeks after? I know you did an interview with uh, JB, but we obviously want to hear your uh, thoughts here on the podcast. Uh, no, it's it's good. Obviously, like it's a lot of money, especially for someone going to university. So it was a big relief, but um, I didn't really think about the money much until like the fours. And then that was kind of like, after that point, I was like, oh, oh, 10 grand. That's actually like money that I could do something with. Yeah. <laughs> that's a big chunk of change, right? Um, just a yeah. few, even a couple of years ago, a win was worth just over 5,000, maybe 5,500. TPC yeah. obviously reached 7,500 this year. So um, to see that, that big prize payout, that's uh like I said, yeah. that, that's got to be crazy, especially somebody of your age getting that large <laughs> sum of money all of a sudden is, uh, is obviously yeah. a big, big weight off your shoulders, too. Yeah, no, it, it's good to see, though. Like, it's obviously rewarding that uh, the board, like, the, the tour is, is making enough ground up that, that we can do stuff like that. It's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. So um, going into the last couple of matches, obviously you went up one side. How were your nerves going into uh, those last few matches? I know you said obviously the the money clicked into your head in the fours, but uh, how was the how was the nerves going up against some of those players? Um, honestly, they were terrible all day. Uh, I sweat for about eight hours straight. <laughs> um, I don't know. I've always been a nervous bowler, even for like youth stuff nowadays. I get nervous for everything. So they were bad, but it, they were also the same that they always are. So right. you learn how to deal with them. I know me and me and Tim kind of talked about this last couple times. It, it's kind of weird now um, playing the game for so long in these cash and stuff. I guess I don't really feel the nerves anymore. And I wish I had that on edge feeling um, back when trying to make cuts and stuff like that especially younger, I think that, that mm -hmm. gives you a little bit of an edge, I think, more than being relaxed and just out and playing. Yeah, no, I could totally see that. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I agree with Carrie there. You still get those glimpses of it, but not nearly as what we used to by any means. Um, and I don't think experience really can say that's the right way of feeling it, because I've always, if you have a little bit of nerves, I, I find that we zone in a little bit more, try a little bit harder, not saying we don't, but um, I did notice on Sunday that uh, I, I've seen you pace before, Tyler, but you paced a lot. And I think you probably burnt the, 
the the carpet walking in the in the lounge the whole time but i mean <laughs> you're back and forth there the whole time yeah but it obviously it worked for you you, you kind of know how to handle your nerves a little bit better than uh majority of other people out there i think and uh, i think that would put you one step ahead or more than us right yeah. um matt i have a question for you um i know unfortunately you weren't able to make the cut in regina um but you made the cut at tpc and stuff like that what were the conditions were you just not playing as well or do you feel the conditions weren't um i guess good for your shot at regina compared to tpc or um it wasn't the conditions it was definitely it was definitely me um i was battling a little bit of back pain the whole weekend and and that really that really played into it especially in the last game of the last shift i really started to feel it and just ended up coming up a little bit short yeah yeah even that last shift there was i think there was like 12 or 13 guys looking to break through the cut and then all of a sudden you see that last game about five guys kind of backed off the cut line because there was a lot of people sweating the number there for a bit and then it kind of just fell away um even though i do believe it was nine people made the last shift cut that's uh pretty unheard of for numbers like that yeah traditionally it's six yeah maybe seven that make it yeah, you get that five or six number in that last shift just yeah. because pace of play and everybody's pressing because they know what the cut is at and stuff like that. But um, So, um, I don't know if you guys listened to the podcast last week or anything like that, but what were your thoughts on uh, the new number, 268? Entries. I think it's great. Yeah. yeah. I, think it, I think it's great. We have two that are doing so well with that. Um, and uh, and uh, we have to throw some kudos to um, Calgary. Calgary's gone up exponentially the last two years, yep. and I, I can't see Red Deer being uh, any lower than Calgary. I can see them go two twenty, um, maybe hopefully even higher. It just I think the tour when you have a hundred memberships plus playing for those twelve spots, and all you need is a top four finish to give yourself a chance with a decent showing in somewhere else people are willing to go to all four in order to get that chance to play. So uh, it's a little bit easier for uh, us as centers to promote when you have the tour there to do it for us, right? A hundred people, you're almost guaranteed 85 of them every time. It's just a no brainer. It just, it's going to just get involved that way. Yeah, exactly. Your guys' thoughts. Yeah. It's, it's nice to see like, the number that high but it's also nice to see the actual number of players you know is up over 150 160 getting close mm-hmm. to 170 now even um it shows how much the tour is is actually growing the game on the competitive side well yeah and like tim said 85 of those are probably tour members right so yeah. half half of your individual players are tour members and they're the ones putting in the re-entries because like tim said you're trying to make the top 12 so you're you're willing to play a couple shifts to try and make that and and now like tyler winning ten thousand dollars there's a lot of money out there that two three shift four shift is not out of the realm for a lot of the players now because let's be fair if you have a chance at ten thousand dollars you you're willing to spend eight to get it right or you should exactly, be you yeah. should be willing to spend eight ten times your money. That's a that's a no brainer. 
Mm -hmm. I mean, I know, I know, Tim, you only play two shifts. I don't know if if there's a reason for that or were you just not feeling it or? Um, Honestly, it's called ego. (laughs) I've always, since day one, I've always, since day one, I've never been. And then maybe in desert, you know, uh, God bless his soul. He was actually being really nice to me down in Regina. Uh, and he, uh, a lot of it is, one, is ego. Back when we were playing when with only three shifts and maybe 125 entries, you never want to be that three-shift guy not make the cut. And then back then, you were lucky to get your $200 back or whatnot, and then you make $50 for your first win. But I've always been that way. Like if I don't have it, you know, I always play split shifts. I don't ever play Friday, Friday, or I never play Saturday, Saturday. I always play Friday and a Saturday. I split it up and try to, like, I'm way too out of shape playing 16 games anymore. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, <laughs> but that being said, if, if I don't have it on a Friday and I don't have it on a Saturday, I don't feel like I'm going to have it again playing another eight games. Well, um, that, the, that's my theory yeah. on it. And it's not, and it's not, and, you know, maybe a little bit of money too. Um, obviously things have changed in my life or maybe I'm not fr- uh, as frivolous as I used to be. I just to be able to spend, spend a lot of money when I wanted to and didn't have to worry about it. Um, things have changed and obviously I have different bills I have to pay, but I, I just think that deep down inside, I don't, I can't get rid of that stigma of three shifts. And again, like I always believe if I can't do it on a Friday or I can't do it on a Saturday, I'm okay with it. And, and maybe that's something where we talk about nerves and everything like that in the past. And you, in the past, you would, I would almost, I would almost be worried about failure in a way, and that would motivate me because you never want to be that guy not to make the cut, right? Nowadays, you have, it's only a, a quarter of the people that make the cut nowadays. Um, I've kind of, maybe it's part of my game where I'm lacking right now, and I. I'm okay not making the cut anymore with the amount of people. And I shouldn't be that okay with that. And I should want to be that way. Um, but I'm not right now, I guess. Um, and I think that's probably what's lacking in my game, to be honest with you. So that's a long-winded explanation. Yeah, I was just going to say, <laughs> the tour is evolving, Tim. And from what I've heard, you made I, a few changes here and there. Maybe soon you'll be a three-shifter. You, you just wait. You're evolving, kid. You're coming along. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, you keep hoping. Um, but, hey, you know what? I play every event. I play Thursdays and I play Friday nights and I play all of them. And I, uh, it's a long weekend already as it is. And, you know, maybe maybe in my own center I probably play three shifts. I would. Um, but I have other things on the go there too, right? So yeah. I probably could have done this year. Dexter got already qualified on Thursday. <laughs> I probably could have done all four, but that's beside the point. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. Uh, you guys have any more thoughts about Regina? No, I, I agree with everyone. It, it's, I look less at the 260 as the whole, even as great as that is, and more at the 150 individual. And, and that's pretty cool because, you know, it used to be 150 with all the re-entries. Um, and same thing as Tim. I only play Saturday to, like, avoid falling down that hole of playing three or four shifts. Um, I'll do two in one day, but then I'm at least limited to that right. for same reasons. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, no, there's no excuse anymore. You have $10,000. <laughs> yeah, that'll be gone by the next event because of school. <laughs> you know, hey, if, 
Any luck, you'll have second place in, in Red Deer, and I'll have first, and I'll make a lot of money off you again. Oh, so. my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's Tim. I'm always uh, looking at the glass half full. Perfect. That's yeah, right. No, it was about me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so kind of before the podcast started, we had, were talking a little bit. So Tim had brought up a Youth Bowl Canada shootout event that it has sparked up. So can you let us in on the information on that, Tim? Yeah, the, uh, the best I can. Uh, Youth Bowl Canada has started something. This was uh, Jamie Newton's idea down in Rossmere, and I have to give him huge kudos over this. Uh, it's something to, after all the youth championship doubles and stuff like that, obviously, if you've ever been in a YBC program or in a, working in a center, you sometimes see membership, like just participation kind of dwindle after it. The last few months is kind of tough uh, with there's nothing going on for a lot of the kids. So they started this Youth Bowl Canada shootout, and basically it's almost something similar to like March Madness. You have a 32 bracket for championship, a 32, um, yeah, 32 bracket for championship for both POA and scratch. Um, so how you have to get part of it? Well, this year they invited anybody who was part of the Bowl Canada Expo and meetings the general meetings down in vegas those centers were able to participate in it and they had a whopping thousand people that signed up for this kids um so that's just just from those centers which is a small portion of the whole thing um and you sign your kids up there's seven dollars or you can ask them to come and pay you at the front counter the seven dollars uh gives you a prize money for both scratch and pins over average and each week for the first three weeks uh, you would just enter their scores in on the website. Now, how they make the championship portion, um, as Tyler and I said, we, we really didn't read much into it until we started it. I'll omit that. Uh, but each week, top eight pins over average and top eight scratch moved on to the championship automatically. And after those three weeks, the top eight wild cards, you can say, uh, the eight people had the highest scores scratch or pins over average didn't qualify for the championship were included in their brackets so uh last week was the first week of the championship round and obviously uh congrats to tyler for moving on you earned 20 more dollars uh but <laughs> but that being said i think it's a great way of adding it in uh it kind of keeps the kids going a little bit um also besides that like, I know I paid for all the kids at, well, sure, sure, Bull, YBC paid for all the kids' stuff. And I, I found it to be uh, worthwhile and worth our money. Um, a lot of kids who qualified would never put their money in. And they're actually first-time parents in our center were downloading, uh, first-time bowlers were uh, downloading the app and following along and seeing where their kids were. Um, I didn't see a lot of it, to be honest with you, Tyler in the senior side on Sundays, but I saw a lot on Wednesday and Saturdays. So Sleep. for me, I didn't know there was an app for it. So <laughs> there we go. I'll get um, on that. Tyler never reads my announcements too. So just let you guys. Yeah, I really that. don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty but, sure you're actually be... in my junk folder of my email. Oh, Hey, at least, at least I got junk. <laughs> <laughs> um, that being said, I think it's a great thing. Uh, the only problem I had with it, and, and, and I know they're aware of it, scratch scores for both uh, were not separated by division. It's straight, like Tyler was beating up on a Bantam. 
And and that's the only tough part about it. Tyler is a bully. Obviously, ten thousand dollars isn't enough. Yeah. But that being said, <laughs> that being the Benton's said, got lots of years to save up. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. But Tim, but it, think, it was it good. was the same as Tyler beating up on Taylor Michelle and the finals in Regina. So that Bantam should yeah. feel the same. <laughs> well, he, he does like act like a Bantam sometimes, so that's fitting. Yeah. Taylor. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he bowled like one in, in the trios too, so I, I don't blame him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I know I know Tyler, you've sort of followed along a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but do you see any merit in it? Like, some yes. of what I would say, yeah. Uh, I mean, I was like a last year YBC bowler who was fortunate enough to play in like all these adult events. Honestly, I don't care about my league. Not that it's not a good league or anything. I just I have other places that I can prioritize my focus and and actually invest the time and energy into. So mm-hmm. even something little like this, it just gives me a little bit more like intention to bowl for. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, it's 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 definitely got merit to it, and I like I almost like the like facts in nature to it. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's kind of like a national event where, like, I am bowling somebody from Newfoundland that I'm, I may not know. I might know them, may, but it's, I don't know, just one of those bigger picture things. It's just like, huh, kind of cool. They, they definitely know you, right? And I think that's part of the thing, too, right? <laughs> I, I don't know. No, I'm not saying it, but I, I guarantee people are, whoever you're facing down east, for example, would be like, I'm playing Tyler this week. <laughs> oh my! I, it, it, it's a, it's a real thing, Tyler, right? And I think that's yeah. kind of cool on that side. Uh, yeah. Like Tim and Matt would probably remember this, but Bowler of the Year used to be played that way as well. You would fax in your scores. I was played through I, leagues. I am not that oh, old. No, <laughs> I, 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 we we do something similar, like in our in, our, in the city with the kids. But I, I I get your concept, but I was not that old. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, the, only remember, the only reason I remember is because I won it the very first year I was out of YBC, so that was the only reason it popped in my head. But it was it was you submitted your scores up through fax and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. um, do you see this tournament evolving instead of a thirty-two player bracket into like a hundred and twenty-eight player bracket? Because you said there was a thousand of the selected centers like how big of the entry level will be if you involve all the youth canada centers right i would hope so um i guess it all depends on on time frames right i mean each each place finishes up the programs probably earlier than others uh well yeah dawson creek is done in like two weeks or something like that really yeah oh no see that that's probably the only thing but or or maybe, or maybe having two thirty two person brackets maybe I don't know that 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 could be another option or thirty two brackets for each division or something like that right yeah yeah I absolutely. think you're better off going that way because part of it too is is not every center like you guys is going to pay for all their youth right so no. you'd have to it's some of those smaller centers it's just a matter of getting kids involved so it it could definitely get to that point but I think you're better off short term looking at that 32 for each division instead of 128 for mm-hmm. everybody yeah. i think it's a great concept i think that's a pretty cool idea I, just another I, just another way to get the kids engaged right exactly and without having that huge travel expense right right and like 
and like Tim said, a kid in Northern Ontario could be playing Tyler and doesn't probably never played him personally, but happens to know his name. Mm -hmm. Think it's pretty cool, right? Yeah, I think that's a heck of a heck of a tool, and I hope it really uh, starts flourishing and they dream up more concepts like that because, as we all know, travel is getting more expensive and with lack of funds and stuff like that, it's a lot harder for some, especially some centers, some provinces to uh, send their kids to big national events. So, Well, that's, that's the first thing you hear about everything, right? Is it's too expensive. So this is a very, very cheap alternative to that. If it's $7 instead of 700. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely. Exactly. That's true. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's upon the centers too to help push that and involve them and stuff like that too. Yeah. Like Tyler didn't even know the app was available. Like Tim, I know you make announcements, but I bowl in the league in your house and I don't hear you half the time. <laughs> uh, I'll be honest with you. I, yeah, I, I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you, but there's no complaints after that. No, I, I, I totally agree. I, I think uh, I think the program is on the right track with it. Uh, hopefully, there's other things. And and like I, like I was, I don't know. I, I run a March Madness thing uh, in our center, and I find merit in that too. It keeps the bowlers engaged. You don't have to make a lot of money off these things, or no money at all, like I don't. And uh, but at the end of the day, like for example, the one girl who qualified for us, and she moved on to the next round. She her her sister is so excited about this. She started bowling, right and. Uh, so you see that kind of little trickle-down effect a little bit, right? Well, it, yeah, like you said, it keeps bowlers engaged in in league. A lot of people are there for the <laughs> fun and the entertainment value, but if you can add a little competitiveness to it, especially if maybe they're not part of a competitive team, but they are a little bit competitive, they have something else to play for while they're playing league as well, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a Absolutely. heck of a tool. Um, so we'll, we'll jump right into our uh, special guest questions here. So, uh, That's me. Mr. Eisenhower, bowling mentor growing up. Um, I would have to say that, like, I did, I took some, some years off of bowling <clears throat> in my younger years. And then when I came back, I was an adult. And one person that really helped me was, uh, was Ivan Soroka. He, uh, we used to spend hours and hours in the bowling center, just just playing games, just talking bowling. Right, yeah. really, really helped. Cool. Hmm. Was so he was a, a local player. Unfortunately, I don't yeah. recognize the name. So. Yeah, he's his fam. Um, he's part of the family that owns the center in in Vernon. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Hmm. Um. So your favorite tournament. Uh, it's a toss up. Like I love playing a TPC. I really do, but I've always been more of a, of a, of a team player. And, and I just love playing the open. Just something about it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so what, I know you say there's something about, but what specifically do you like the most about it? Um, I really like playing head to head as a team. Um, you know, you got six guys that get together, and you all got one. You all got one goal in mind, right? Right. And it's uh, it's just I don't know. I don't really have the words for it. It's just 
The camaraderie. The camaraderie, yeah. That there's that, and and you know you get to you get to beat up on your friends, you know, <laughs> for a weekend. True. Nothing better than playing somebody that uh, you may play with or travel with for the cash tournaments, and then you get the bowl against them for a, right. a specific team event. That's pretty right. Pretty cool feeling. Yeah. Nothing better than beating up on the Wisemans at the Open if I ever make it again. That's all I look at. Uh, do, do you have a toughest match or favorite match? It doesn't even have to be a toughest match. You know, I think I think because we've gone back and forth and beat up on each other so many times, I'd have to say Matt Schultz. Um, I, he says, you know, one of the games we played against each other at Masters Nationals is still one of the best matches he's ever played. So definitely match, match, Matt Schultz. So then uh, that leads me into one of Weber's questions is if you were to pick anybody in the history or present of five pin bowling to have a match against, who would it be? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I'd have to say, you know, if, if I could ever play against him again, I'd have to say I'd want to play against Dave Gorley again. Right. That guy is just he, he was almost unbeatable sometimes. Yeah, I remember the year he won the Autumn Open. It was uh pretty ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> it was rolling over everybody. Um I'll extend that question to you, Tyler, because I don't think we had that question when you were on last time. If you were to pick uh, anybody in the history of five pin bowling or present, who would you play against? Huh. Um That is a really good question. Uh, I, cool. I, I kind of want to be cheesy and say Bruce Mortar. I never got to see Bruce Mortar play at all. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And there's just there's a, a an undeniable aura of of skill there that you kind of want to prove to yourself that you can at least get close. H- hang with him a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I actually, I really liked playing Len Anseth, and I have a lot of fun playing against him because I can tend to be a faster bowler too, and it really makes me, like, look at my game and be like, okay, where is that sweet spot of, like, being slow enough to stay in my own game and, like, not let Lenny get in my head and, like, have our match over in 11 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but then also not getting too slow and then throwing like Weber and, you know, just being at the <laughs> other end of the spectrum there. D- dragging matches <laughs> along. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I would say either either Bruce or, or Lenny. I really like playing Lenny. Oh, those are both, ones, both good ones too. Um, so, Matt, what's in your arsenal? So, for shoes... <clears throat> I have a custom-made pair of uh, Nike Air Force Ones that I wear. been wearing those for, oh, probably four years. I used to use DCs before that, but I find these Nikes are really comfortable. Um, balls, I've got a set of soft rolls, a set of hard rolls, and a couple other odds and ends. got an old Reactive View in there, an old Cyclone in there. Just a little bit of everything. Yeah, usually we see you throwing the hard rolls mostly, right? Yeah, for the most part, that's what I use. Um, 
sometimes I actually use both the soft roll and the hard roll at the same time. Wow. Must get confusing. Well, I I picked that up from someone someone I know. I think that was you, Carrie. You were doing that once. Yeah, it it didn't pan out. I imagine. Uh, sometimes it's okay, and and sometimes it's really not okay. Yeah, yeah. I I tend if I ever do something like that, one is specifically just a spare ball, but then frustration comes out and you throw it for. I miss the middle (laughs) spare shot sometimes. Yeah. Um. I you know I, I. just on that, mm-hmm. I find there's less of a difference now in synthetic lanes with between the hard roll and the soft roll. It's, it's like mostly at Sherd Park. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> it, it's not as drastic of a difference as it is on a on a wood set. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely, yeah. So, I, I don't think the ball grabs. Yeah, so there's actually a little science behind that. Um, I don't know if some listeners watch the Brad and Kyle show on YouTube at all, but... Um, they were talking specifically about lane surfaces um, moving from wood, from oil-based lacquer to a water-based lacquer, and then to an older AMF set to the newer Brunswick lanes, the synthetics. The lane surface is actually less porous, so the balls don't react on synthetic nearly what they used to on wood because of the porous of or the topography of the lanes. So. That would make a lot of sense why you don't notice a drastic difference between two different bowling balls as you did on older wood lanes. So yeah, so there is a little bit of science behind that. So if people are noticing that, it, it is a thing. It's not just you're uh, imagining it, that's for sure. <laughs> I, well, I yeah. hate it. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I just like seeing balls move and uh, even the amount of less oil I put on, it just, it just doesn't move the same as wood. No, and I, I'm still very stuck in that old school mentality of like, if you want something to move a lot, throw a soft roll. If you don't want it to move at all, throw the hard roll. Mm-hmm. And so, ending up on a on a, a synthetic set and it just everything moving the same is is actually it's it's such a good challenge because now I have to rethink those adjustments of like changing things up. Yeah, for oh, sure. I like it. That uh, goes to show. I wonder if. I know ball manufacturers aren't so into five pin anymore, but if somebody will be looking at reactions, like maybe it's the type of material the ball surface is made out of will react more with synthetic lane than, um, than is currently happening because yeah, totally agree. Um, the soft roll, it still moves, but yeah, not nearly what it used to on wood. I remember on the old Toppler lanes when they were still wood, you could throw it out to the gutter and that soft roll would come back even at high speeds. But now, like, there's no chance. You can't you can't trust throwing it out. You can't give the middle away because that ball ain't coming back. So, no, makes me wonder when I... if Kenny Norris, if he's still playing fairly actively, how how much his ball's moving nowadays? I don't I don't think he plays anymore. Oh really? No. We kind of need to see the guys that used to throw the big the big hooks. Like Danny, even Danny Gombach, the last times I've seen him, he still throws tons of rotation on it, but the ball just doesn't move. He has to it just, it just clean up his line. Spins. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't rely on that uh, back end movement so much anymore. No. It's not the same anymore. A little, a little bit of lost uh, science and in five pin bowling, I think there. Hopefully, hopefully something comes along and we get that back. But 
or we'll see people start throwing 16k an hour the pins will be 16 inches apart and we'll be sitting on ballpoint <laughs> pens <laughs> yeah um so you guys have any other topics um yeah something matt yeah i kind of wanted just to touch like on the well i think it was while regina um the manitoba open um they're going to start up again in december they released their format i just kind of wanted to get your guys' thoughts on it what you think about it that is a great question if only I had the format in front of me too. I was I was just looking for it as well. <laughs> uh, well, it's it's definitely unique, right? Well, I think... it's a forty-player cut, right? I think is the first part of it. I do. Uh, I don't think so. I think it was still thirty-two. I wasn't think it? It's thirty-two. And then then it drops down to sixteen. I thought. Yeah, it was there's a weird. A, there's a there's a play-in, or something on the Saturday. I thought still. Yeah, the Saturday evening. I think it, yeah. it might be a 40 or a 48 cut. And then those players play uh, to get into the 32s on Sunday. Yes, uh, you're right, Kerry. I think it's 48. And then uh, from 1 to 16 gets a free buy into Sunday. 17 to 48 playoff for the mm -hmm. last 16 right. spots. Yeah. yeah I, I think that's a unique format. I think, it, I don't know, it's something different. Yeah. It, I, it entices you to try to get the top 16 format. Yeah, it just whenever you put something new in there, it makes you rethink your mental approach to it, right? Because I I don't know, I can't speak for everyone, but for myself, I have a very set mentality playing an eight game qualifier of what I need to do to make the top thirty two. So for this, it, then that's a whole new mindset of of one. Okay, I only need X amount of points to make the top forty eight or I need X amount of points to make 16 if I want to be safe. And then it's a whole new mental game as well when you're on championship day actually trying to, like, survive to the end. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, I can't find the exact layout. But, yeah, you're right. So it's 48, and then the play-in mm -hmm. matches are Saturday evening. And then the final 32, they do um, kind of like Red Deer. They break into eight they do a round robin and then the top i do believe top four from each move in and then they do like a final 16 um bracket play down like uh tpc or regina but it's only one side you don't get double life yeah it's it's unique i i'll give them that and uh, i think carrie and i we played oh, actually matt was there too we played something similar to that kind of not uh, the breakdown after the 32s, but you have a choice between if you want to be top 16 or top 48 when you did the PC challenge. Um, now, the money wasn't there to re-enter re into it because top eight was top 24 that made the finals, and top eight had the, the, the first round bye, yeah. right? Um, but there wasn't enough money to see how that would work out where people would double-enter and be like, hey, I want a better seed, right? Um I, I can see people re-upping. I can see Mike Herbert re-upping because he doesn't want to play the th you know thirty-two playdowns. He wants to get the top sixteen, um, so that could possibly make a difference. <laughs> yeah, I totally yeah. agree. I think like if you if you know you're going to be in the forty-eight and you played one shift, you may just throw in a second shift just to see if you can break into that top sixteen, right? 
Mm-hmm. It's not not far out of the reach. Um, I yeah. think any new unique format, as long as it's not, um, I don't know how you say it. As long as it's not detrimental like the, to the players, it has to maintain the integrity of the game. Yeah, yeah. It, as long as it's not a crazy format, like oh, the forty eights are going to be a no tap breakdown. Like, as long as it's not something drastic like that, I think a new format is what the game needs because we can't have another tpc regina right <laughs> well your your format yeah. your format's pretty much the oldest format that everybody uses across all these new tournaments right that's fair enough yeah so to see a new format's pretty cool i do want to put on the record we had it first rose bowl was around way before uh the regina classic so yeah it's not on us <laughs> <laughs> but when it was changed to TPC at Sherwood, it, nobody would have shied away from a format change. But you guys like the way things are always done. I I, I hear you. It's fine. Yeah. Hey, what's worked in the past, we keep it the same, right? <laughs> Hasn't worked for you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Fair. Right, hey. <laughs> You'd be nice little rookie, little rookie over there. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no, I, I really think this Manitoba Open thing is going good. And nothing but good thoughts in Regina from everybody I talked to that's thinking about going and playing it too. So. Mm-hmm. I wish uh, they would I change the it, weekend. Is, is that finals weekend? Yeah, or it, it's like right before. But okay. so it's, it's just... Uh, you can study after you make the cut. It's fine. Oh, no. After <laughs> he wins his 10K. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Actually, Tyler, don't come. We might have a chance to win. So, <laughs> just say. Hopefully, it's not a keeper league, right, Tim? <laughs> yeah, no keeper league. <laughs> you know what? I'll, I'll give that guy props. I, I was on his case for a good six months about how bad he's been, and you know what? He stepped up for my team, and we did well. So, I give him props there. Yeah. I just like to make his sweat. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I hear you, but. Yeah, no, I, I think I think Regina, uh, sorry, uh, Winnipeg's going to go over great. I think it's uh, local support should be there. I I hope, and I'm maybe I'm a little bit out of bounds when I say this. I hope everybody down there just gets along and just supports the event because it's for bowling, it's for Winnipeg, it's not for St. James Lanes, it's for everybody down there. And I think it's going to be a great thing if, if you guys because they need it down there they need something positive to come out of that city right yeah. and i think this could be definitely it and kudos to st james for stepping yeah. up and possibly taking a hit on this weekend in december right it, that's prime time yeah yeah prime time for those christmas parties and all that stuff um we know st james is going to put on a great a great tournament we just hope it pays well for them so all those listeners all those bowlers going to it Help support them while you're there. Don't ditch after your shift and go hide and show up back Sunday. Maybe spend a little money in the center and help them out, right? Yeah. So I did find the format. Perfect. Um, so the top 20 automatically move on. Hmm. 21 through 48 will play in the play, play in round where they're split into seven groups of four. And then they play a three-game round robin with the 50-point bonus for the win. Top bowler in each play-in group, plus five wild cards. The next five highest pinfall mm-hmm. scores, including win bonuses, advance to the final 32. Wow. So then they play 
like Red Deer, they play a round of 32 with four groups of seven, or four groups of eight with seven games. And then the top three bowlers in each group, plus the next four highest scores across all groups, will advance to the 16s. And the 16s, like you said, is a, is a single-sided bracket. Yeah. And I think it's three-game matches till the final. The final is a four-game match. Final is four-game total pinfall, yeah. So those wild cards are huge, right? Because you could be exactly. stuck in a, a horrible group with some of the best players and not squeak out matches, but you might be playing well enough that you can get in as a wild card. Right. Yeah. There's always a bracket of death, right? Oh, yeah. Yes. Every time. Yeah. That was last year in our group there, Tyler and Red Deer. It was a group of death. Mm-hmm. You can't, you it was can't, a good one. Yeah. That's good. And they are running four qualifying shifts. How many lanes at St. James? Do we know? uh, 16, 16. I believe. 16. Okay, cool. Touching back on something you said earlier about that, the, like, playing to get a better seed, do you think that's something we're going to see more often now with the higher cuts and people just wanting to be safe? Because, I mean, someone like Mike double qualified, and I, like, I haven't been playing these events as long but i haven't really seen that before you see the ones that are you know they're 23 24 after three shifts so they play the last one and then the -hmm. way that it shakes out they're 31 and whatever but i do you think that's something that we'll see more where someone's 17 and they play again because yeah i believe you will because the cut money's there so somebody that doesn't feel confident will play again we're uh, Mike Lacuse was a prime example of it. Back a few years ago, when cut money was two hundred, two hundred fifty dollars, Mike would sit on a shift because he think it would be close, and he wouldn't worry about playing again. And and nine times out of ten, he was correct. He'd get in the cut, and you get your two hundred fifty dollars. But now, like it cut cuts five hundred dollars. You are you willing to take that chance to lose two and a half times your money? I don't. Know. I don't know. I. I, I think Regina was a little bit the the players that reopt were a little bit um, special ex- exceptions. I think Tyler and maybe I I, I I do see Carrie's side of it too. Um, but Mike, for example, Mike would rather play another shift than go to the casino. So that was his part of his theory too. He didn't want to spend his money at the casino, but he also thought his shift maybe not be good enough, and he decided to be okay with it. Mike is one of those guys who'll play four or five shifts if, if he feels like that's the way. It's also like uh, it, Robbie, the money, the travel to get yeah. there, right? Like yeah, you're, you're spending all this money. money you yeah. might as well. You're probably banking on a three shift anyways. Yeah. Like, yeah, it would be nice to save that $200, but I I would hate to miss that no. cut by that it's one spot. That. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and reason why we all know why Robbie didn't played another shift right he didn't want to be on the bubble and uh yeah and, and so that's why he played it uh, to be honest with you tyler you would probably yeah i don't know if you would have sat on that score if, if right no you just and, no and i didn't no. that the 2180 or whatever i had and and that was mostly personal feeling of i i easily should have had 22 in my first shift so i was like i know the shot's there mm-hmm. um but then that's the other like the, the second half of that question is is do you think not necessarily the score, 
but the the actual position number do you think that number is going to go up for that safe zone like i for me i'm used to it being like 17 to 20 because then you're like oh, you got to look for 12 people to pass you in those last two shifts or or last shift whatever it might be is that going to go up because scores are higher there's more people it, playing it might it might go up like one or two spots but it's not going to make a drastic jump where you you think you need to be in top 10 right yeah um like going into the last shift i always said if you're if you're 21 or better there's no point playing again because you're not going to have those 11 people pass you but it was nine on saturday afternoon in regina right mm -hmm. um so I... you you just i know pace of play but just the amount of players and the amount of depth of players now is getting to the point where you have 150 players 160 players but a hundred of them are very quality shooters that will make the cut a lot of the time. So for them to play that last shift, it, it would be hard to say that you wouldn't say 11 people are going to pass, mm -hmm. right? I, I do have to bring up a point in, in TPC. I always say, Carrie, only six people make it at the last round. And then Carrie's like, I bet you beer that it's going to be, um, I bet you a beer is going to be more than six. And it being five, I think. So, mm -hmm. I, um, but if you would have made that bet in Regina, you'd been missed by three. So, yeah, I, I, I lucked out. But that being <laughs> that, the, the point, the point is, I, I, I agree. I think eight usually would, wouldn't be a big, big deal on it. Um, but again, I probably wouldn't be playing a third shift. But that being said, um, I had a hard time reading reading the shifts for a while because we were so used to three shifts for so long right tyler mm -hmm. and then it was okay this usually this is sort of like you you go get in that rhythm and then we threw a four shift in there and i was like i don't even know what's going on here like you're kind of like trying to read it and it's like oh, i don't know and so you kind of just kind of uh, if you don't i guess if you feel your gut like you mentioned you just play uh, mm -hmm. I, I, I think that's what well, I, and with tpc with five shifts too now right like maybe that's yeah. why it was only five or six because it's just the way it breaks down in fives, right? But yeah, I don't know. I I think it uh, I think it moves up just because of the amount of players. But yeah. I think that there's I, something else that plays into it as well is, um, you know, for years we would always say 21st or better. But when the cut line was 2080, there's a lot more players that can make 2080 that on the flip side that can make 2180, right? So 21st or better on a 2080 cut was not always safe, but on a 2180 cut, 21st or better is pretty safe, I would say. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. it wasn't that safe. <laughs> it it no. could have easily come I, out, right? Yeah. 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 I, I guess you can look at numbers too. <laughs> I mean, you had, you had 125 players playing though 2080 cut. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. 125 entries playing a 2080 cut, right? Right. Now you have 150 players. I don't know. It's it's one or the other. I I think it's more important. Don't worry about the score. Just worry about where you are in the standings, more or less. Yeah. Uh, people were in there. Honestly, it was funny after we played Friday afternoon. Played Bakers. I looked at the thing. I was like, man, it's not gonna be 2200. And it's nothing against the scoring there. I just we just saw it wasn't it wasn't as high as we thought it was, but people are pressing to hit that 2200 mark. And to be honest with you, I was one of them. I, I had a chance and, and I was stupid and I missed the middle in nine 
on a double and I ripped a three pin in five on a, on a, on a, on a four bagger. And I thought to myself, I had to shoot 2200 and I really didn't have to shoot 2200. Mm-hmm. Those extra 15 pins were huge and something spurable along the lines would have gone a long ways for me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. I, yeah, I, I don't know going into the Saturday if people will, they won't be looking at score. They'll be looking at position and 17. I don't know. It depends. It depends if the cuts stay at 31 players or if they decide to start opening up the cuts, right? Cause now, now there's so many players, there's a lot of money. It might, it might be at a point where some of these tournaments decide that they can open up their cuts a little bit, but that's up to them and discussions and figure out what's going on with that yeah. stuff, right? Well, I, I guess that's the question, right? Do you move to 48 or do you keep the 32 or do you get rid of consolation? Right. That's, that's always been a hot debate. Right. And I think every time uh, I know Tyler, maybe was in the room for the first time ever in the TPC, we're all mm-hmm. sitting there and we always think, you know, shit, like, why are we doing this? Like it's four o'clock in the morning. We shouldn't be doing consolation. And you know what? And afterwards on Sunday about, you know, when they're doing championship. Yeah. We have to do consolation. It's a, it's a it's a love hate thing. Um, I really think it's important. Um, as much as I think it, it's a, sometimes a waste of time in a way for me because you saw in Regina if, if you don't have a six hundred double at, or at five seventy and you're not starting with a four or five bagger to start, you might as well just take off your shoes. You're finished, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think on my end with the constellation, there's again there's thirty two thirty one only people that make the cut. You know, and there's a, a hundred and sixty people trying out. You gotta give those guys a chance, right? And um, prime example, I think, in um, in Regina was that uh, that lady from uh, Winnipeg, Jenna, right? Jenna played out of her mind. She played awesome, right? She mm-hmm. had what was it four three hundred? She's never never shot a back to back three hundred, and that one experience can go a long ways for her. And uh, and it was a good positive experience. She deserved to be there. Um, and I think that continues people on in a way for the for the tour. Yeah, I, just, think, I, I kind of look it out. I guess my my thought on it is, if you have a thirty one or a thirty one or a thirty two cut, you need to have a constellation. But if you bump it to forty eight, yeah. maybe mm-hmm. you can move a constellation to a secondary event. It doesn't get a spot on Sunday, right? Fair. Yep. But yeah, yeah like, without a moment, and they've got. The I was going to say that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. But nothing better than being a player that wins that consolation event. It, I guess, it's not so prestigious now that they're mostly three game total pinfall. But it used to be when you had to run a thirty-two player bracket all the way up, or you had to play uh, the halves, whatever you did the one year, Tim, to win yeah, something like that. Way better. Like that. I'm gonna that's huge, disagree right? with you a little bit because it's still like. I don't know what the exact score was, but you have to shoot a 900. Oh, for sure. Which is still an accomplishment. It's not the long, grueling battle like it is for a 32-player bracket, but on, I'm going to say on demand, but to go out there and have to shoot a 900 and do that, I think that's still pretty, like, for me, it would be rewarding. Yeah. Well, uh, okay, so a little history. I've been lucky enough to win Constellation three separate times. One was a three-game pinfall. The other one was the halves at TPC, and the other one was the brackets at, I think it might have been TPC as well, at Collingwood. So, like, there's, you, you, there's yeah. lots 
I just felt, I guess maybe because I was younger and running at brackets was pretty cool. Running up the brackets was really cool because the players you ran into to win that event was something to be held where a three-game pinfall, mm -hmm. you're not really bowling against that person until the last three frames and then you're like, oh, I really can, I can be the one to go. And so you're kind of yeah. watching it then. But... <laughs> uh, I... Uh... I'll be honest with you. I won two. I won two of them, right? So I won the one in Regina one year. It was total pinfall. And Tyler, you're going to be shocked. This is before your time, but I only won with an 850. I've never, I've never only won with an 850 that year. Sounds uh, like needs pull better. <laughs> well, I beat Tom Stevenson, and he, I think he got like a 13 count in the last frame. He needed to throw a spare. Um, but he was half blind and gibbled anyways at that point. So I, yeah, I, I should have played better. And then, uh, was that the year that he thought he had he made the shot and he missed it? Yes. Okay, yeah, it was that. yeah. And then two years ago, I made the the cut in Heritage and I won the thirty twos. And I'll be honest with you, I felt way better at that. I do give Kerry that. Uh, I think I beat Justin Langrock in the finals when the porno was going on the, <laughs> on the TVs. on the other television. Yeah. Yeah, oh. um, it hit, it hit you know live what? stream for about two minutes. <laughs> and you tell me, our our viewers went up. It was like two million hits, and all these Americans <laughs> yeah. were like, "What are you guys watching?" <laughs> but uh, but it was great. I, I I beat a lot of good players out there. Bob Bokerage, uh, Bokaj, and, and a bunch of other good ones up there, and it meant a little bit more, I think, um, than the other way. Yeah. Yeah, you just see the three-game pinfall. I understand they do it for time restrictions, and you don't want to be there until yeah. 4 in the morning and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, you see a lot of players, they, they start with a one 190, and they take off their shoes, right? Where if you're, I, if you're playing no. a bracket, you you no. might be able to squeeze out that 190 match, and then all of a sudden you'll go lights out after that. So yeah. it, it's you got to start early and be hot for those three games, which which is definitely an accomplishment. But I don't mm -hmm. see it as much of a grind. I just see it as a, no. oh, I played a league and I shot nine hundred. I'm in, right? That's yeah. kind of the feeling I get out of it. But I, I find it hard yeah. to, to to take my shoes off after one of one game of the three game consolation when the single spot is two hundred two hundred plus dollars a game, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I'm, you know, I'm you surprised. made a, you might have shot a buck ninety. You might not make the cut, but you can still make a couple hundred bucks there. Fair. Trust me, my last four games of all my qualifying shifts, that's all I was thinking about was single spots, but they never happened either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, and I, I'll be honest, Carrie, I was ready to take off my shoes for Constellation too. Um, single spots, yeah, you know, at that point I was kind of over it. Um, but I really had to keep in mind Trevor, made, who won it, I was bowling with Trevor, and we were the only two on that lane. The last thing you do is throw off his rhythm, and, and so you had to think of other bowlers that way. Chances, but. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but I, I'll be honest, we have it for TPC, and I do not like the format. And I'll just, so I'm not a component It's just, it, it's just yeah. a huge, nice time saver, right? <laughs> it you, is, You yes. get the consolation yeah. out of the way. Um, you still have your, your players get the opportunity to get on Sunday, and you don't have to be there till late in the morning and all that stuff. So it totally makes yeah. sense, and it was a growing pain that these tournaments had to make that I don't begrudge them for. I just think it lacks a little bit. Is what it is. I agree. That actually leads me to another question. Um, how do you guys feel about players that quit partway through a shift? 
just to just to save themselves for the next shift or just because they've had enough. It, um, my thought on it, it's their money. Um, you're more than free to throw it away if you want. But in hindsight, it's when you're playing on a, a set of lanes with seven, eight other people, it's their money too, right? It changes the whole dynamic. For sure. One, one person on a, a set of, uh, or sorry, yeah, a set of eight players isn't such a big deal. Like, I wouldn't do it if it, if it was a, a two and a two. I wouldn't quit on a lane. Um, but you also could get stuck on a lane with Adam Weber, and that changes your dynamic of the whole shift, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it's a random draw, and you're taking your chances, and maybe you get stuck on a guy that is super slow, or you get stuck on a lane with like five or six really fast players. It it's all a random draw and that's what you're taking your chances on. Yeah. I thinking about that. I would like to say, uh, well, I'm touring, but I'll be honest, well, probably on Kerry's side of it. It's their own money, but you have to look at the situation they're in. If, yeah. if somebody's running really hot and you know what, he's doing really well, quit after the game. If it's three and two and you know what, you're on a team of two, don't quit on the guy figure it out um but you know the other way to look at it too um and I, yeah i did this is coming from sean smith uh we talked about this for the open one year was how do you how do you want a guy to be playing that shift and he's boozing it up and he's being a dink about things he's he's lobbing balls he's smashing shit he's been a huge disruption you know what if you don't want a bowl just go away right and it's probably better off that way before he does something like that I'm I'm perfectly okay with that aspect. Um, just if you're ready, if you're ready to be upset, then just time to walk away. I think now, if all these tournaments were um, under the regulation of, say, like the WCBT, where they make judgment calls, they hand out fines and stuff like that, then I think it becomes a professional thing, right? If you quit, mm-hmm. there's a suspension, there's a fine, and then the tournament moves on. So there's repercussions yeah. of them doing that. Right now there isn't. They they literally just let their two hundred dollars go and they play the next shift. But yeah. if if we are to make this a super professional or not super professional, make it an actual professional sport and tour, then yeah, I, I believe there should be a fine for quitting halfway mm-hmm. through without a medical reason, right? I agree. Uh, and the other reason why I don't quit either is because it's pure reputation, right? Last thing you can do is be that guy who who quits. Um, just because he's upset, right? Um, I do actually. I'd be okay with fines, Gary. I'd be okay. You can't really. I don't know if you can really do a. Definitely for the members. That there's mm-hmm. there's one thing for the members. Um, maybe not a monetary said, fine, but no. maybe it's maybe it's a point deduction, right? Well, point deduction doesn't matter when you're going to quit, anyways. Yeah, but that's not the only tournament you've played, and. I was gonna say yeah. If you get points from another tournament, you could lose them there for sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. You meant you meant by standing. Yeah, points. like like mm-hmm. your like okay. your your total points for the year, like a point deduction. Right. Yeah, five point penalty or or something so, instituted that way, or a percentage penalty or something like yeah. that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's definitely something that uh, could be discussed and talked about, right? I'm okay I'm, I'm all for making it more professional, and if it has to go that way. I, I'm okay with handing out fines or deductions for 
being stupid and belligerent or quitting. Like, there has to be... Um, I know the, the tournaments themselves kind of police themselves quite a bit, but they can't be everywhere at once. Where if the WCBT could do that, there's membership playing the whole time and they just file a complaint and that gets reviewed and that's what it is, right? <laughs> Twice now, Michael Lissett hit a ball return. He got nothing for it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. He's such a good guy. Though. Yeah, not anymore. Yeah, not anymore. <laughs> Hothead. <laughs> yeah, but I, I completely agree on you that, right? And it probably honestly helped the centers out. Uh, it would help us out, I know that. I mean, we did the Band-Aid thing one time. Yeah. Um, and that uh, that went over really well until Monday morning. We were finding Band-Aids everywhere <laughs> and months later. But <laughs> but that being said, it does help us out. And it, it makes us have some kind of grounds instead of just being those jerk proprietors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a reason for it. And... And I, I know we talked about it, but the Friday afternoon shift was absolutely dreadfully long. And a part of it was this stuff, right, going on. Um, probably would help help that out, too. So, yeah. yeah. I'm going to call it like an old boys club, kind of like what Tim said with the band aids and stuff is, is kind of something that mm-hmm. people just used to do. And it, it kind of was, oh, they quit, you know crappy thing to do but that's what people did whereas now like with the band-aids and and if you started putting a fine that it brings people's attention to it you say hey that's not cool we don't appreciate that it hurts other players it might not necessarily change their mentality of the game and the and the sense of that oh i'm out of it i don't want to bowl anymore but it gets that that little thought in the back of their head of oh geez people are going to think i'm an ass people are going to think i'm a quitter you know so it, it just bringing attention to it definitely breaks down that culture of just being allowed to quit yeah so i don't know i i really like the band-aids i thought one they were hilarious <laughs> they were effective yeah. people were embarrassed people no, yeah. no i didn't I, no i didn't hit that no i didn't mm-hmm. hit that right how many people yeah. do we say that and, and then uh, i give dexter kudos there's no chill with him he'll just do it anyways <laughs> um but yeah. I, I agree completely on that and you know honestly i think the hardest part you're right about the old boys some of our mentors in here in Edmonton and uh, some of the people that we, we still bowl with, we can guess who they would be, right? As soon as they get called out, maybe on a, on a warning or, hey, your attitude's bad, they get defensive over it. And, you know, well, that's all it takes for or, anything, right? Three or four straight years, I got warnings at the open. And, you know what? I probably deserved every single one of them. And I, and I didn't fight it because I was being a jerk, right? And if you're going to be a jerk, you deserve to be called out on it. So, well, yeah, that's that's exactly it. that's what it takes for anything. When someone's being a butthead, is, is you call them out, you, yes. you address the problem, and it, it usually helps. People don't like to be embarrassed. Yeah. So. No, not at all. Yeah, it may not be so much the monetary or the the points deduction. It's the oh, that guy. Uh, he's getting called out right now. He's getting a piece of paper. Or yeah, being, I don't want to be that guy. Being called into the meeting room because there's a complaint about them or something like that, right? The old principal's mm-hmm. office stigma. I I think it'd be great. I mean, Mitch actually brought up a good idea about uh, something like the XFL does. Have an online reporter. If you had somebody going down there and, hey, why did you smash this ball return? You have a recording, you know, <laughs> ask him to give him a little bit of interview. All of a sudden, they're going to be a little bit embarrassed with it, right? Either that or they go like, Matt, Matt Eisenhower at lunch and smash my phone on the ground or... To get, get, get out get out of my 
to face, right? I mean, it just. <laughs> I think it'd be made for made for television there. That's right. Just pushing yeah. cameras out of their faces. <laughs> yeah, Kenny Rogers style. Yeah, get that out of my face. Don't put a camera yeah. in a guy's face when he's hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I think we're gonna wrap this podcast up, guys. We uh, are over an hour. I can't thank Tyler enough to coming on on short notice. Matt, thank you very much for being our special guest. And, Enjoyed uh, being guys. here. <laughs> uh, good luck at the Open. I do believe that's your next big tournament. Uh, yeah. 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 You guys have got a master set coming up here. Yeah, we got a master set. Some people don't need help, but some people do. Uh, well, see how it goes. Bonnie Dune help I need. But... <laughs> yeah. Crickets. Alrighty. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks. Take care, guys. Thank you. Thank you.